I was at um, Barnes & Noble on, on Wednesday, and one of our college students was, was there, and he had a couple of uh, his buddies and uh, he goes to school with, and he saw me getting a coffee, and so he comes running in, and he says, hey, Pastor Rick, I got a couple of my friends here, and man, could you come over? Could you give me a minute? And of course, nothing ever takes a minute. <laughs> but I could see, you know, that he was excited, so I went over there and sat down with him. And their question really was uh, that, that very first thing that Sean said, what makes this the most wonderful time of the year? Now, they didn't say it like that, but that's what their, their question was. And I looked at these young guys, and I said, look, it all comes down to the first five words in the Bible. And if you can't get past those first five words, then this season isn't going to mean much to you. You can't get past those first five words, then really this season's going to be about trees and decorations and presents. It's going to be about a snowman or a reindeer with a red nose or Santa Claus or whatever, because those first five words in the Bible are critical. And those first five words are this, in the beginning, God created And if you can't get past those first five words, then this season really isn't that wonderful, frankly. You see, I believe those first five words. I believe that in the beginning God created everything. He created planet Earth and the moon and the stars. He created all of the fish in the sea. He created all of the plants on planet Earth, including these beautiful poinsettias. He created all of the animals that walk around on planet Earth. He created all of the birds that fly. He created it all. But 25 verses later, we're given another incredible piece of information it says that God was together with the, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they said, let us make man, let us make woman, let us make human beings in our likeness. Whoa. Everything changed. You see, these poinsettias were not made in God's likeness. Fish were not made in God's image. Beetles were not made in God's image. A giraffe is not made in God's image, but you are. Human beings are special. We're unique. It's what gives our life dignity. It's what, what gives our life sanctity is the fact that we, amongst everything God created, are unique. We're made in the very image of God. Now, I know for a lot of people, I know it was for me for about 20 or so years. That's a hard concept to grasp because everything around me says, oh, no, 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 no. You evolved. This poinsettia evolved. Whales evolved. Trout revolved. Giraffes evolved. You know, two molecules got together, you know, a billion years ago, and here we are today. That's what I was taught. One of our pastors, 
picked this up for me on the way here last night. It's a mousetrap. It's got four moving parts. It's got the uh, dreaded snapper. That moves. It's got this, um, you know, these, uh, I don't know what you'd call that. It's the thing that makes the snapper snap. Got that, it moves. It's got the dinner plate right there where you put the cheese, you know? And it's got this little thing here that holds it all together. Four moving parts. There's not a biology teacher in any high school that would stand up and say, oh, oh, that evolved. There's not a professor on any college campus that would stand up and give a lecture on how this thing right here with four moving parts evolved. Obviously, this had a maker. Obviously, it had to. Just look at your hand. Unbelievable, just your hand. It can take all kinds of, you know, beatings, and yet it can also feel the slightest touch. Four moving parts. It had a maker. Listen to me. You have a maker. You're not educated goo. You were made in the very image of God. You're special and unique. And when God made the first two human beings, Adam and Eve, he, he longed to have an incredible relationship with them. He told them, look, it's all yours. As far as the eye can see, it's all yours. Enjoy it all. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Your children, and I will have a great relationship. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, I'm going to be your God. You were made in my image. And God said, look, it's all yours. Enjoy it. But God said, hey, look, there's one tree I don't want you to to eat from, stay away from it. But the Bible records these words in Genesis chapter three. The woman, that's Eve, saw that the tree was beautiful, that its fruit was good to eat and that it would make her wise. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some of that fruit to her husband, Adam, who was with her and he ate it. And friend, that, that changed everything. That, that, that's a cataclysmic moment in the history of mankind, if you will. At that moment when Adam and Eve decided to blow off God, disobey God, do life their own way, it changed everything. The Bible says this, that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. The Bible says that one of the things that we all have in common is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standards. One of, the, one of the things we all have in common is we're sinners. And you can trace that all the way back to what happened 
in the garden with Adam and Eve. You see, I don't think Adam and Eve are just a story or a fable or a myth. I believe that that's a historical account of how we all got here. That God created everything. He created you. And he longed to have a relationship with you. But sin messed that up. Sin spoiled all that God had planned for us. We've all disobeyed God, every one of us. We've all thought things that were crummy. We've thought things we know we shouldn't have thought. We've done things that we know were wrong and crummy. We've said things that we know are just wrong and crummy, all of us. Sin has impacted all of our lives. The prophet Isaiah said this, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We left God's past to follow our own. You see, we were just like Adam and Eve. God had a, had a plan for us, a path that he wanted us to follow, and all of us said, no, I'm gonna do life my own way. I'm gonna follow my own path. Doesn't matter what you think, God. Doesn't matter what you say. In fact, we've even gotten to the point to where we don't even believe that there is a God. We believe that this had a maker. It's got four moving parts. We can't fathom the fact that we have a maker. The prophet went on to say, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he's not gonna listen anymore. I told our family just a couple of weeks ago in here that all sin does is destroy. Destroys relationships. It destroys marriages. It destroys families. It destroys churches. It destroys cities, it destroys nations. Sin has even destroyed civilizations. Sin is a nasty thing, a horrible thing, and all it does is destroy. For some of you, you don't even realize it, sin is destroying you right now. It's destroying your hope. It's destroying your mind. It's destroying your will. It's destroying your values. Sin leaves a a hole in one's heart that just can't be filled. But people try. People try to fill that hole with all kinds of things. Sex and adultery, popularity. They, They try to fill it with, you know, alcohol and drugs. They, they fill it with hobbies, you know. They, they just do their hobbies or work or whatever it is, and they're trying so hard to fill that void that can't be filled with anything but one thing, and that's God through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Beloved, Christianity recognizes the problem Christianity recognizes that in the beginning, God created everything, that God created you and me in his very image. 
Christianity recognizes that God longs to have a relationship with his special creation. Christianity recognizes that it's sin that has come and destroyed everything. But Christianity also says, listen, I got some good news. Yes, sin has destroyed it all. But today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. Listen, listen. God wants to have a relationship with you. And so to fix the problem, he sent us a Savior. He didn't send us a mechanic. You don't need a mechanic, right? He, he didn't send you a lawyer. He didn't send you a, a pastor. He didn't send you a therapist. He didn't, he didn't send you any of those things because you don't need those things. Nothing wrong with those things. But that's not what you needed. None of those could fix the problem. Only one thing could solve your dilemma, my dilemma. And so it makes this the most wonderful time of the year, or at least one of the most wonderful times of the year, and that is you needed a Savior. That baby grew up, and he said this. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world to save the world through him. You see, Jesus, that baby, the Savior, came not to bring condemnation upon your life. He doesn't need to condemn anybody. Why? You're already condemned. Because of what Adam and Eve did. They brought sin into the world. Your sin has already condemned you. Jesus didn't come, the Savior didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to save you. He came to cleanse you of your sin so that you and God could have that relationship that God has always longed for. Look, let me put it to you this way. Heaven's a perfect place, absolutely perfect. No sin in heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no tears in heaven. There's no problems in heaven. There's no crime in heaven. There's no pressure in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. So what would happen if God allowed you there? Nobody's going to stand up and say they're perfect because if you did, I'd just have your spouse stand up and give us the real scoop. <laughs> so here's this perfect place, and God can't allow imperfection there because if he allowed you there and me there and in our imperfections, guess what? Heaven wouldn't be perfect anymore. It wouldn't be long before heaven would be just like planet Earth. It'd be a bloody mess. So we're doomed. We're doomed. How do we get to this perfect place? Today, in the town of David, a Savior's been born for you. Somebody's come to save you. And that's Jesus Christ. You see, God says that if you would receive Jesus Christ into your life, Jesus will come and he'll cleanse you of all the sin, all the 
chaos that Adam and Eve brought. He'll come. He'll take care of that. You see, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was holy. And when you receive Christ into your life, guess what? The Father now looks down and he no longer sees my sin. He doesn't see all the crummy things I've done, all the crummy things I've said, all the crummy things I've thought. He doesn't see that anymore. What he sees is his son in my life. And his son was perfect. His son was holy. And so now the Father says, hey, countrymen, come on. You and I can have a relationship. You can spend your eternity with me because my son has made you perfect. The Savior has made you perfect. That's good news. That's good news. Look, I, I don't know how you got here today. I, I don't. But let me tell you why I believe you're here. I believe God brought you here that you could hear something from God, and this is it. Listen, God's gonna use me to tell you something important. Listen, you matter to God. You matter. He created you in his image. He longs to have a relationship with you. You matter to God. That's the, that's the story of, of this book, is that you matter. Right from the outset, God creates it all, creates you, that he could have a relationship with you. You matter. And I believe that right now, something is stirring within some of your hearts. Over the course of our five gatherings, God's been doing a lot of work in people's lives. God has revealed himself to a lot of people, and I believe that's happening right now. And I'd just like for you maybe to close your eyes right where you're at, okay? Just, just close your eyes. And there are some of you here, and you gave your life to Christ maybe years ago maybe in Sunday school class or youth group or a camp, and, and you've gotten away from the Lord. You've been following your own path, so to speak. You've been living life your own way. This, this morning ought to be a time of repentance for you where you repent and say, you know what? No longer am I gonna do life my own way. I'm gonna turn back to Christ and give my life back to Christ again. And some of you just need to pray that. But there are some of you here, I believe you're going, wow, I need the Lord. I need the Savior. I've never given my life to Jesus. I didn't realize that God had made me in, in his image. I, I, I get it for the first time. I understand it. And this is what I want you to do. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. You don't find this prayer in the Bible. I'm just going to make it up. But you've got to mean it in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I understand why you came. And I receive you right now into my life as my Savior. Cleanse me of my sin. Restore my relationship with you. 
Now, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you prayed that, would you just raise your hand, make sure I, I see it? I, I just want to know, if you gave your life to Jesus Christ right now, you got it. God opened your eyes and you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Raise your hand. Make, make sure I see it. Yeah, see it. Yeah, right here. Yeah, I got you, man. Make sure I see it. Just kind of do this. Give me the thump, you know, pump your hand up there. Yeah, I got you right here, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Yeah, beautiful. All right, everybody look up here real, real quick. In just a moment, we're, we're going to receive our offering. And for those, those of us that know the Lord, it's a, it's a beautiful moment. We call it the moment of joy here because we understand what, what happened on that cross. We get it. But inside your program, I want everybody to pull out that little tiny card. looks like this, okay? It has the, 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 the logo on it. Pull it out. And this is what I'd like for you to do. If you, if you made a decision today for Christ, if you maybe repented of your sin and said, you know what, I, I had to give my life back to the Lord. I haven't walked with him for years. This is what I want you to do. Just fill this out, okay? And, and I'm going to get these. You can see I've got them all from the, the, the previous ones. I'm going to take these home with me. Am I going to give these out to anybody? I'm going to keep them. And then I'm going to just send you a letter or an email. And they're, they're, they're just for me, okay? No one's going to come and bother you or anything like that. But they're for me. And, and all you need to do is fill that thing out. Use your best penmanship, guys. It's always the guys. It looks like hieroglyphics on here sometimes. And I can't read it or whatever. And, and I don't want the mail coming back to me. I don't want the email coming back. I want to be able to get you just communicate with you, send you something. So make sure you, you fill this out clearly. And then on the bottom, if you prayed to receive Christ, mark that first box. Just say, today I prayed. I received Jesus as my Savior today. Maybe it's the second box. Today I repented of my sin and I'm returning to Jesus. Maybe it's that third box. And you're here and you don't know whether this Jesus thing is real or whatever. I know, we, we've all been there. I remember when I was at that moment. But you're not hostile to the things of God. You're here but maybe you'd like to you know, just get a little bit more data, some more information on what it means to be a follower of Christ. You could mark that last box, okay? And in just a moment, this little green thing's gonna kind of go by and you can just put that right in there, okay? And then the ushers will hand these to me before I leave tonight. That's just really important that you do that. If you understand the decision that you made, you'll take a minute to fill this out and make sure I get it. I'm gonna ask our hosts and hostesses to come forward and I'm gonna pray for our offering. And I want you to know, this song that you're gonna hear, uh, Tim and, and Chad wrote, and it's really, really probably my favorite song of any song, any Christian song. It's just beautiful. I want you just to listen to the words and enjoy your, yourself as you give. Father, thank you, Lord, for those that raised their hands, and there were lots of them. So grateful for our worship department and the music and for Sean and his teaching. Lord, I'm grateful that you opened the eyes of a whole lot of people here this, this weekend. May we have great joy as we give right now, Lord. And I pray this in your name.